G'day, g'day. Hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Refuel Your Fire, episode three. For new listeners, you might be confused because you're like, but there's so many other episodes. Those other episodes were part of another show, which I kind of blended into this show. Uh, and I can't bring myself to delete <laughs> episodes from the past. So if you want to find out what that's about, a lot of them are to do with uh, brand growth and marketing. Um, feel free to check them out. But uh, yeah, a bit of a different target market to uh, to what this podcast is now about. So uh, in my last episode, I promised that today we would be talking about the inner child, which I'm really excited to um, to share with you today. Really uh, excited to talk about, I think it's actually a good time of year to talk about this too. So whether you celebrate Christmas um, or not, I think a lot of us are used to at the end of the year, we're familiar with whether in your North or Southern hemisphere, at the end of the year, we kind of come to this couple of weeks where we have a bit of a break. Um, we go on school holidays, we go on university holidays, um, we have time off from work. Down here in the summer su- summer hemisphere, the southern hemisphere, where it is summer, um, you know, it's a time to go to the beach uh, and sort of be with family and I have been in the northern hemisphere at this time of year and it's a great time for things like mulled wine and eggnog and fire, nice warm fire inside the house. Uh, it's very different. But either way, uh, I think we come to the end of the year and a lot of us probably have memories of whether they were good, whether they were bad or mediocre, memories from our childhood kind of pop up. So I feel like this is a really good time to be talking about uh, our inner child. And today we're going to be talking about questions you can ask your inner child. Uh, so a bit of a journal activity for uh, this time, probably something you could do around New Year's, uh, maybe a time for reflection. So I thought this was uh, timely to, I know I just said that, but anyway, it's timely to release this episode. Apologies for not being here last month. I was overseas, um, but very excited to be back with you. So um, before we continue, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country here on Gadigal land, as well as um, wherever you're tuning in from, uh, and pay my respects to elders past and present and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people living and working on the land today. Um, so the inner child, what is the inner child? The inner child is a psychological concept, a concept from the field of psychology that is actually, a, I think it's now a couple of hundred years old, um, but it really gained popularity in the 80s and 90s um, of last century um, and sort of came more into, I guess, like practices, counselling practices, psychology practices, psychotherapy practices. It's basically the idea that a lot of us, due to, you know, things that have happened in our past, um, not, you know, not saying that to put blame on our parents or our carers, but things that happened to us when we were young uh, affect us, you know, and they can basically cause what's called like the wounded inner child. And there's different archetypes of 
the wounded inner child and we'll go through uh, what those archetypes look like today as well. Um, And as a result of our experiences, we can end up sort of growing up thinking that in order to get love and in order to get care and safety and all these things that we need, we have to kind of adapt. We have to develop these sort of coping strategies and uh, they can be really unhelpful in our adult life. They can be things that actually stop us from being able to fully express who we are, uh, fully realize who we are. And, you know, sometimes when I'm doing my um, my one-on-one coaching with people, they'll say things like, you know, I just don't feel like I'm reaching my full potential. I just don't feel like uh, I'm able to be myself in the world. I feel like I don't know who that really is. So whenever we're talking about the inner child, I get really excited because I think this is our opportunity to really connect with who we really are. So before we continue, let's talk a little bit about what these sort of wo- what what happens with the wounded inner child and you might find that there's some patterns of behavior that you can uh, relate to. All right, so let's talk about these different inner child archetypes. And like I said, you might be able to relate to some of the patterns. You might also feel like you don't completely fit into one archetype. You might be able to relate to more than one and that's totally okay as well. So um, the first inner child archetype I want to talk about, the one of the wounded inner child archetypes is the caretaker. And the caretaker kind of comes in with this mentality of I'm loved because I take care of others. So the way that I get love is by looking after other people. And I like to think of the character that comes into my head uh, when I uh, think of this archetype is uh, Cinderella. The second archetype is, uh, this is one I couldn't really relate to, especially in my past, is the overachiever. So if you think of Hermione Granger from Harry Potter, um, this idea that, I'm loved when I receive external validation. So if you find yourself um, sort of seeking that really, I mean, we all love positive feedback. I mean, a lot of us do, Um, but it's sort of like that, that's the reason for motivation. Oh, I can do this. So my boss says I've done a good job. My partner says I've done a good job. Um, (laughs) That's, that's sort of a bit of a clue there, that 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 being a motivating factor for, for you, um, this idea of achievement being sort of the driving force. Then you also have the underachiever. So if you think about um, the big Lebowski, uh, you know, this idea of going unnoticed keeps me loved and myself and others safe. Uh, you know, he's really like... I I'm, I really just want to not do anything with my life because if I don't do anything with my life, if I go keep going unnoticed, I'm going to be okay. Then you have um, the rescuer. Now, the rescuer, uh, if we think of, if you know Hunger Games, the main character, Candace Jasper, 
or uh, Milan from Milan, um, this idea of being able to receive love by taking away other people's problems. And actually the rescuer is often the protagonist in a lot of the movies and media that we consume. But actually being a rescuer is not a, um, an, a an adult strategy. It's it is a consequence of the wounded inner child, and also something we touched on in last episode. Um, this idea of coming into a toxic sort of uh, interaction with others called the drama triangle. Uh, a lot of people come in as the rescuer, thinking, "Oh, I can I can save the day, and in, by saving the day, I will receive love." The fifth archetype we have is the life of the party. So if you think of the great Gatsby, um, Gatsby is someone who's constantly throwing parties but is also someone who's extremely isolated and actually not very happy with his life. But the idea is that he can receive love by making sure that people around him are happy. So the life of the party is thinking more about if everyone else is around me is doing good, they're happy, um, then I'm going to be loved and accepted. We also have the yes person, uh, archetype number six. So this is the idea of uh, receiving love by being selfless. Uh, so if you think about uh, the person who jumps into my mind is Arthur Dent from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, where it's sort of like I, I'm not really thinking about myself. I'm not really thinking about what I want. I'm just going to say yes to other people. You could also think about this person as the people pleaser, um, the person who's sort of more about oh, as long as everyone else is happy, so similar to the life of the party in that as- uh, aspect, in that respect, sorry, um, but the idea of I can't receive love if I'm thinking about myself. And then finally, archetype number seven is the hero worshipper. So if you think of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and we think of Frodo's best friend, Sam, um, Sam is someone who sort of worships Frodo and is willing to go to the ends of the earth for him, literally, Um And this, again, isn't really healthy. Um, This idea of receiving love by rejecting your own needs, by rejecting your own views, um, and instead looking to others as a model for how to live. And this is, again, something that we sort of see encouraged in modern day, this idea of looking at what influences are doing. I mean, they're literally called influencers. They're influencing our decisions, uh, looking to movie stars, to people who are famous. What do they do? What, how do they dress? What do they want? How do they live? That's how I must live too. Um, that's how I'm going to receive love. That's how I'm going to be accepted is I'm not going to look at what I need I'm going to be listening to what other people tell me I need to be doing. So those are sort of like the the seven archetypes. Now, it's not necessarily that, like I said, we all fall into one or the other, but it starts to give you a bit of an idea of some of the things that might be, um, we might be telling ourselves, not even really realizing it. So it's sort of happening subconsciously. So now I want to talk about this idea of nurturing the inner child, because um, if you would have seen any of my um, posts as well, you would have seen that I have this sort of 
diagram um, that I show or gra- graphic that I show of like the tip of the iceberg of uh, burnout, you know, um, the tip of the iceberg being that those symptoms of burnout, but all these things that lay beneath the surface. Um, and we may have talked about it a little bit in the first episode. I actually can't remember now, but sort of to me, the root problem is actually this wounded inner child. If we are coming from a place of not really having our own sense of self and who we are, um, then all these other things can be thrown out of whack as we go back up to that tip of the iceberg. So at the very bottom, we need to be looking at nurturing our inner child so that we can really come to know our authentic self. So how do we do that? Well, let's talk a little bit about what the inner child needs. We need to be able to meet those needs in order to nurture the inner child. And that's a great thing and exciting thing about being an adult is that when we were young, you know, we had to rely on other people to meet our basic needs as well as our emotional needs, as well as all the other things that we wanted to do and the things that we desired. As adults, we want to look at that ourselves. We can, we have the opportunity to do that. So there's sort of these... um these six different core needs. And I took these from a fantastic book, which I really, really encourage you to check out. It's called How to Meet Yourself, the workbook for self-discovery. And it's by Dr. Nicole LaPera. And if you're on Instagram, um, which a lot of people seem to be these days, (laughs) um, uh, there's a a very famous account by Dr. Nicole LaPera called The Holistic Psychologist, um, which I would definitely recommend if you you enjoy this kind of content, I think you would really, really get a lot out of um, her posts as well. So these are sort of the core needs that she talks about in, uh, in this workbook. So the first one is identity, having a sense of self. So being able to feel grounded and feel connected to ourselves as well as to our family and to community. That's one of the really important core needs of the inner child. Number two is safety. Having that sense of safety to fully express yourself and also a sense of trust within relationships. So knowing that you can do that without uh, there being these dire consequences. Thirdly, we need connection and love. So having emotional bonds um, that come from being able to share openly and vulnerably and a sense of secure connection. We need autonomy, super, super important. So freedom to choose what is best for ourselves without pressure, force or coercion. We also need variety, stimulation, novelty. So that desire to learn, that curiosity to see and experience new things. Um, We need that sense of openness and to be uh, receptive to what's actually going on around us as well. And finally, growth. Growth is so, so important. And we have heard uh, the term, the growth mindset thrown around a lot in recent years, but that willingness to face challenges, um, that willingness to, again, sort of seek out new things so that we can learn, so that we can grow from experience, that is what the inner child needs. And when we can take care of that inner child, 
to me, I'm like so much starts to fall, starts to fall into place. Yeah, so much starts to fall into place because it means then that, okay, we're taking care of our needs. We are, um, we're doing sort of the healing work that needs to be done so that we can then go out into the world and be able to build our resilience, be able to foster curiosity, be able to connect with other people in a different way. Um, it affects things like our emo- emotional regulation, what motivates us, um, all the way right up to those things like preventing burnout, being able to set boundaries, um, really, really important. So for the rest of the episode, what I want to talk about is questions that we can start to ask ourselves to sort of understand more about our inner child. So I think it's important to like it's important to mention that like when we're talking about that first core need of identity, really having greater self-awareness is so so key and that's really what a lot of these questions are um, designed to to help with. So it's sort of like tuning in to understanding more about you know who who we were before we learnt to adapt and sort of mould ourselves to what we were being told that we we had to do. And all of us have had this to to some degree. It's sort of like you can't go through life without having some conditioning sort of put upon you, some more than others, but we've all sort of been groomed in some way or another to not be able to fully accept or express ourselves, and that's what this work is really about. So first question, what were your favourite activities as a child? What did you really love to do? What brought you joy? Second question, how did you express yourself as a child, you know, think about like what were your creative outlets? Did you draw? Did you play music? Uh, did you make cubby houses or did you, you know, play imaginative games like cops and robbers or, you know, what, what did you do? What, how did you pass the time? What were your dreams and aspirations? I think this one can be hard to remember. But thinking right back, like, what was that first job that you thought you wanted to have? Or where did you want to go? Or what sort of house did you want to live in? What sort of things did you wish for? What were your fears or insecurities as a child? So what sort of things upset you? What sort of things made you feel anxious? What sort of things made you feel insecure? Um... What were those experiences like? What things happened? What things occurred? You can also ask yourself, how did you cope with challenges as a child? So what were the things that, what were the responses you developed when things got difficult, when things got hard, uh, when there was conflict? What did you do? This is going to give you more clues into some of the adaptations that you might make now without even realising it. Did you take responsibility? Did you try to control the situation? Did you try to manage emotions? What was your relationship like with your caregivers? 
Um, what were your early experiences with them? What do you remember of them? This can be hard because, you know, if you're, you're still in, have relationships with, with your caregivers, um, or if you don't, things could have changed since then, but try to think back right back to then what happened. What were your early experiences with your caregivers? Did you feel heard and understood as a child? Were your emotions and thoughts acknowledged? Were you validated? Were you told, oh, it's okay to be upset? Oh, I understand you're angry. Okay, it sounds like you're a bit frustrated. How about we? Or were you told to not have those feelings? Were you not validated for those feelings? What were significant events or traumas in your childhood? Now, we're mentioning the T word trauma there. And, you know, I think a few quick important things to bring up. One, sometimes it's really important if you've had a big trauma to explore these kinds of things with a professional. Um, It can be a little bit too confronting to do this by ourselves. And that's totally okay. There's also a lot of traumas that are what we call like small T traumas, things that might seem like, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. Like, you know, now as an adult, I can rationalize how, you know, X, Y, Z happened. Um, It wasn't anyone's fault. And we can sort of do almost the same thing that might have been done to us at the time where we're not even validating our own inner child experience. So I think it's really important to say, yes, like, of course, there, there are, is almost always someone or a situation that we could think of that would be worse than ours. Um, this isn't about uh, this isn't about sort of comparing ourselves with other people. This is more about honoring your own experience. So even if it's something that seems you know small, it seems like little, it's still important to acknowledge it and think about it. Think about has this had a lasting impact on me? You know, if it's something that keeps coming up, if it's something that you really remember, um, you know, that you come back to a lot, you know, what was it about that experience? What was it about that event um, that had a lasting impact on your inner child? And then, you know, we can start asking ourselves some questions for present day. How are you going to nurture and care for your inner child now? What's that going to look like? How are you going to provide love and comfort and support to your inner child? You know, I talked about this a while ago on the show, actually, before it was called Refuel Your Fire. I talked about this when I sort of uh, realized that who I was, really. Like, I realized I was gay. I realized I was non-binary. And I had this sort of, like, feeling of I've finally shown up in my own life And it was sort of like I was there for myself for the first time. And it was a really, really profound experience. And since then, it's been a lot easier to think about how I can support myself, uh, how I can support that inner child. So I think two things. One, think about what you're doing right now already and then think about what you could be doing to really take better care of that child as if they were your child. You know, if you had a child, like some people listening to this might be parents, some might not. I'm not a parent myself, but I have um, two beautiful nieces. Um, I also have a niece and nephew on my partner's side. So I'm around children a lot. 
And I think about, you know, how I treat them and making sure it's the best I can do, you know, the best I can do in terms of caring for them. And that actually really helps me think about myself and what I want from my own inner child, you know. So thinking about that and having that image can be really helpful as well. You can also ask yourself, what aspects of your inner child do you want to reconnect with? You know, so are there particular qualities or interests or perspectives from your inner child that you want to embrace or integrate into your present self? And I'll give you an example of this that I had recently. So uh, while I was overseas in November, I read Murakami's book. Uh, it's a nonfiction book. Uh, well, I guess it's actually an autobiographical book. Um a novelist as vocation and he talks about sort of pretty obviously being a writer as a job and it really made me think about something that I've had since I was very young I started writing stories when I think it's pretty much as soon as I could write and that was really encouraged um, by my mum like I was homeschooled at the time um, and I loved writing stories. And then as a teenager, I also enjoyed writing. And it's sort of been something that has always stuck with me. But uh, I kind of moved away from fiction a lot. I stopped writing short fiction and I stopped reading fiction as much, even though I really enjoyed it when I was younger. Um, and I think it was part of this idea that I had about who I should be. You know, I should be someone who reads nonfiction books because there's so much to learn. And that's serious and it's more important and I sort of had this identity wrapped up in this idea of being more of a non-fiction reader who dabbled in in reading fiction and and literature from time to time and um yeah just after reading Murakami's book it really kind of rekindled that passion and that um desire to write um I also loved drawing as a kid and this this idea of creating and I just thought yeah, like why not just have a crack at writing a novel? You know, I had tried once before and uh, I found it really hard because I'd been writing more short stories and then I tried to swap into a different sort of length of story writing and I just think my idea for that particular story just didn't have the – it wasn't something that was able to to go the distance of a novel. Um, so anyway, so while I was overseas, I just – I was like, you know what, I'm going to use sort of – a method that's a bit more similar to Murakami's to write, um, which I found really, really helpful. And uh, I am currently writing the fifth chapter of the book and it sort of just flowed really nicely. And it's what it's really done for me is it's really made me reconnect with this part of myself that's I know it's been there the whole time. Um, and if you've had that experience before, we're like, oh, yeah, this is – this is me. This has always been me. Um, it's such a beautiful experience and it's sort of like getting a hug, you know. Um, so I'm like, I'm so excited about that. And I just think, yeah, this question in particular is such a good one because, you know, you can try things, you can experiment. You know, I might write 10 chapters and then decide, ah, oh, like I need to put this away for a while and that's fine. You know, it's there's no pressure. I'm not writing it. Um, with a deadline in mind, but I am trying to in, re reconnect with that part of myself every day. And I think that has made the habit of writing a lot easier and very, very enjoyable experience. Um, okay, last two questions. So 
this is again thinking a little bit more about the self-care things that you can do now. Um, how do you self-soothe and practice self-compassion? So two things here. One, think about what you currently do. And you can use that self-care spectrum um, that I've created to help you sort of identify where you are in this as well. So for instance, you might you're you might have things that you're doing that are self-soothing, but they might not be self um what's the word I'm looking for? They might not be very helpful. You know, they might be things that are actually holding you back. For instance, if the way that you kind of practice self-care is by having a glass of wine every night. Oh, okay, I deserve this. At a hard day, I'm going to have a glass of wine to relax and this is part of my self-care ritual. That might not be very helpful. I'm not saying there's something wrong with having a glass of wine every now and again, by the way. But when I think about the... um the effects of sugar, of alcohol in the body, especially in the evening, we know that even one or two glasses of wine, if you're doing it regularly, like if you're doing it every night, can actually have a pretty detrimental effect on things like being able to sleep well. Um, it might have an impact on things like your memory. It might may have an impact on your blood sugar levels before you go to sleep. Um, and it can actually not be a great thing you know and then if we said it's not one or two glasses it's three or four glasses you know that's now we're getting to seven to 14 glasses of wine every week that's actually quite a lot of alcohol um so something that might seem like self-care might actually be self-harm and I think what we need to do when we think about self-care is thinking about how do those align with the needs of my inner child? So if we go back to those core needs that we mentioned, along with maybe some that you've come up with as you've answered these questions, um, you may find that those practices need to change. Those practices need to be more aligned with what your inner child really needs. So maybe instead of a glass of wine, to, to unwind, maybe it's a bath, maybe it's a herbal tea, maybe it's reading a book, maybe there's other things that you could do that have the same positive impact of allowing you to relax without the negative consequences. Um, okay, and final question, what situations does your inner child feel the most vulnerable or triggered? So this is a big question. And actually, I should mention, I will put all of these questions in, um, I'll probably put it in a blog post, I think will be the easiest thing for me to do. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes if you're listening here so you can access them as well. Um, but think about circumstances, situations that really bring up those like big emotions or reactions that are similar to things that you experienced in your childhood. So to give you an example, again, I'll use myself. Um, I, as a child, often felt unheard and misunderstood um, and also not validated. 
And as an adult, I've really learned to ask for validation in particular um, and also been really conscious of trying to give that to others as well. Um, But it can still be really hard for me because as soon as I feel misunderstood, I kind of go into a panic and I can sense that panic. But now I can say to myself, okay, you're panicking because you've been misunderstood. That's, those are words I didn't have before. Those are words I didn't, do I still get triggered? Yes, I still get triggered. Um, but being able to just take a breath and go, okay, this is why I'm feeling this way. This is, you know, quote unquote, an overreaction given what's actually going on. But I really hate this feeling of being misunderstood because it happened so much when I was younger. Um, it really helps me to understand what's going on. And I think, you know, in conflict, being able to take care of your inner child is one of the most useful things. It allows you to be able to um, de-escalate conflict a lot quicker because instead of demanding certain things from the person or people you're in conflict with, you're able to first give it to yourself take a breath, and then as your adult self, ask for what you need. And even if you don't get that, you've still been able to give it to yourself. Um, So, you know, there's things that will, you know, come up when we talk about the inner child. Um, It's really, really important to be compassionate with ourselves. Um, It's really important to be able to uh, take time to answer these questions. Um, and again, if at any point you feel like this is a little bit too much for me seeking help. Um, so in Australia, we have things like lifeline. Um, if the, if things are really like coming up, we need immediate support. Otherwise you can also do things like, uh, reach out, uh, to a psychologist or a counselor or a therapist to sort of go through this in more detail. Um, I think for career purposes, this is so powerful because when we're doing, especially those questions around what we were interested in, what we love to do, one, it helps us to identify things like hobbies. That might be things that we do outside of our work that are really important in order to pursue our interests and the things that we love. But also if we're feeling really disconnected from the work that we're doing now, it might give us clues into where we can go moving forward. And if you're interested in exploring more about that and you're kind of coming to a point where maybe you're feeling burnt out with the work you're doing or even if you're just looking for a new opportunity, um, that's something I, I help people with. So if you'd like to find out more, you can visit my website laurencrest.com and it will have some information about how you can get in touch with me um, so we can book in a session and talk more about your career as well. Um, So like I said in the show notes I'll have a link to um, that list of questions we just went through and uh, I'll also make sure I put some resources in there if you would like to uh, get some help uh, as you kind of think through these different questions as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. I hope you have a happy new year and enjoy the holidays. Cheers.